Hey guys, and welcome to the History of FMW Episode 8. This is going to be covering the second half of uh, 1992. Um, this episode is going to deal a lot with the women, and we're going to start out with that. Uh, on July 15th, uh, Yoshika Mayatamori and Eriko Tsushia, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Tushia. cool. Tsushia, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, they showed up at a uh, AJJW show holding ringside tickets, and they they issued a main event challenge against Toyota and Yamada for the the the, the titles. Was this done in agreement with FMW and all Japan women, or was this a type of shoot your own angle? Now they had worked, uh, formed a relationship with uh, FNW and All Japan Women um, due to Megumi Kudo and Combat Toyota's past relationship and kind of being friends with a lot of the top wrestlers. So they uh, brokered a deal um, for a talent exchange um, in between the two promotions. Cool. Now, uh, before we saw them working with Wing and now they're going to be working with FMW, do you know what led to that switch? Yeah, pretty much it allowed them more money. Um, you know, the FMW is willing to pay more than Wing would. Um, and also they're, you know, getting to work with other women, um, you know, because the All Japan women, when they would work Wing, they would just work with each other. This allowed kind of a talent exchange and interpromotional matches, which had never happened before. Also, at this time, Dave made the note that the all Japan women they were uh, they were unhappy with the companies due to the style the the style and the the schedule um, and and some of the girls were talking about leaving to join FMW. Uh, did anything ever come of this? No, they never. No one ever ended up leaving for FMW. Um, you know, they worked. A couple like Bull McConnell worked a couple FMW shows the year, uh, the next year or so, but um, pretty much the unhappiness um, would result in you know them leaving in the mid 90s, late you know 95, 96, 97. But at this time, they all still stayed packed in uh, all Japan women. All right, cool. Um, let's see, FMW started the tour on July 19th, and it was uh, the standard pattern of uh, Tiger Jeet Singh doing squashes and then the Onita six man tags. Um, now, this tour, when I was um, kind of reading, it kind of shocked me because there's 23 shows in, I believe, 25 days. Um, this sounds like a grueling tour. Is, uh, is this normal? Uh, no, this is pretty much in the, uh, they're making money at this point. So they're just trying to capitalize on as much money as they can. You know, it's kind of like WWF in the mid eighties when they started making money where they'd start running all these shows as much as possible. Cause it's, they're making money. And so, um, yeah, they worked uh, about three weeks in a row and then there was about a 10, 10 day break. And then the next tour started. So yeah, they, this was one of the more intense tours and it kind of picked up the rest, you know, the next couple years like this. Now, um, also on this tour, Tiger Jeet's saying he's starting to do this gimmick where he's attacking the females, he's attacking the referees, and apparently at one point he attacked a TV sports reporter from the TBS uh, sports station. Um, how much are the television networks dealing with FMW at this time? Um, they, TBS had a relationship with Onita, but it wasn't like they were putting, you know, FMW TV on or anything like that. Um, but Onita had a relationship. They liked Onita, you know, Onita was becoming kind of a celebrity at this point. Um, so they just agreed to kind of work this angle to help, uh, build up, uh, Tiger Jeet Singh. 
Very cool. And um, also at this point, FMW has announced that they're going to be running the uh, the Yokohama Baseball Stadium in September, and they're going to be working with Universal, AAA, AJW, and War. Um, we haven't really really discussed it. What what was War? War was uh, pretty much the aftermath of the SWS promotion that we went over last episode. Um, you know, Tenru left all Japan. Um, he found a big financial backer, and you know they had an agreement with WWF, and the promotion uh, failed miserably, lost a lot of money, and that uh, promoter, the backer, pretty much pulled out. So Tenru got another backer. Um, so they didn't have as much money or anything like that, but it was a suitable backer, and they created War, um, which was pretty much just the remnants of the SWS promotion. And all the um, all the wrestlers that left all Japan with Tenru, um, and Tenru kind of created his own kind of style, um, you know, that most people know as you know, kind of uh, kind of the New Japan type heavy, uh, strong style, but also mixed in with uh, odd uh, tag team partners. Uh, and that's I think that's what most uh, people think of as war, uh, just random tag team partners thrown in together. Cool. Um, at this time, Dave knows that uh, FMW is is starting to to trade talent with Triple A more. Do you know who is going over on the FMW side? Um, I think just kind of like masked wrestlers and everything. They didn't really bring in too many Triple uh, A wrestlers. Um, if they were like, they'd come up with their own gimmick, you know, throw in a you know a Jap- Japanese kind of mask or something like that. But not too many people going by their own names were uh, bring being brought in. Cool. Um, Wing is bringing in some talent. We have Eric Embry. Who is that? He was a Dallas wrestler. He was working in uh, WWC Puerto Rico at the time, so Victor Canonis had brought him in. Um, he actually didn't last very long because uh, he ended up getting in a car accident in October of 92, and that ended his career. Uh, so he was just he only worked a couple sh- uh, spots with Wing before his accident. Very cool. It, well, not cool. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and then we have the Masked Inferno. That was Rochester uh, Roadblock. Um, he ended up becoming uh, – his name is Joseph uh, Diaquisto. Um, he had came in from SWS. He had been working there. He was from New York, and uh, so he kind of had a Japanese uh, – you know, uh, pretty much got in through uh, to Japan through SWS, and then uh, Wing came calling after uh, SWS folded. So he came over there. They put a big mask over him or big mask suit pretty much. He was a big 400-pound guy. Um, after Wing, he ended up going to WCW. Um, that's probably where most people know him from. And then uh, there's one guy named Lucifer, um, and uh, yeah. he, he stays on the tour for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that was Steve Collins. He was a Florida wrestler, uh, wrestling for CWF. Um, you know, that's probably if anyone knows who he is, that's probably what they would know him from is from Florida. Um, but yeah, he got brought in kind of as a devil gimmick, um, and he yeah he was around for a while with Wing. The next new name that pops up is going to be Leatherface. Um, I'm curious, where does this gimmick come from? Who were the first guys to do it, and who is doing it at this time? Uh, well, this was the original. It was, um, you know, the former Corporal Kirshner. Uh, his, not, his real name isn't Mike Kirshner, but that's what most people know him as. Um, you know, from WWF in the mid-90s. He had been brought in. Um, he was wrestling in Florida, living in Florida at the time. He had wrestled in New Japan in 1990 um, pr- previously, so he that's how he kind of had his Japan contact. And uh, Wing brought him in um, and came up with the Leatherface gimmick, you know, based off the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So he was the first one. Uh, um, he ended up getting arrested and uh, for punching a photographer um, 
in Japan. So he got arrested. So they brought in another guy to come to be kind of the second Leatherface. That was um, Rick Patterson. And that's who um, would end up like wrestling in the King of the Death match. And a lot of people know him as, you know, he's kind of the second Leatherface. So, um, but yeah, Wall and Wing. And then uh, when Kirshner got out of jail, they actually brought him back. So they had two Leatherface gimmicks uh, at the time uh, in Wing at a certain, uh, in 93. Cool. And then, uh, they were the two we're going to talk about it one day, but they were in that famous nail match as well that we'll get to in a couple of years. Um, so uh, in August, Wing Wing starts their show. They draw five thousand people, which I believe is their biggest show to this date. Uh, as Poker Face Matsunaga in a fire death match, we kind of talked about it last week, but there was no. Um, you don't know which one came first when it came to the two companies promoting fire matches, right? Yeah, no, I, I don't know when, um, you know, exactly when this was, be- you know, uh, the promotion began for this show. Like I said, the F&W one obviously started three months earlier. I don't and I don't know how much promotion was for that. But um, so they probably came up with the similar ideas around the same time period. But I wouldn't be able to tell you who came up with it first. And uh, what made this match different? Like, what was the fire style of it? They didn't put um, they didn't put fire on the ropes like FMW did. They kind of had, um, you know, kind of. Um, stations, kind of like the uh, Inferno match the WWF did in 98 or so, uh, where kind of just fire surrounded the ring instead of fire, um, you know, instead of kerosene or whatnot being put on, on the rope. So they just had fire kind of spitting up around the ring um, and, you know, circling it around. And then they'd have uh, kind of like fireworks sparklers um, coming out of the turnbuckle every couple of minutes. And then after the match, there was some type of, of, of angle, correct? Yeah, well, um, so Matsunaga uh, defeated Pogo, so that was kind of his big victory, his triumph, and Victor Canones, Mr. Pogo's manager, got really upset for Pogo losing and you know slapped him, started insulting him, racial slurs, everything, and so Pogo kind of, you know, attacks Canones, and this leads to Pogo and Matsunaga teaming up. But they actually don't really necessarily get along too well. So there's already like their first tag match against the Headhunters. They lose because there's miscommunication, and Pogo and Matsunaga start kind of fighting afterwards. Like you know, so they're kind of they share a hatred for Kononez after this match. But it's not necessarily that they actually even like each other. Cool. And uh, one new face is going to be the winger. Um, now he's been around for a long time, and he still kind of wrestles. So you don't have to give us the whole thing. But what is his background. Uh, that's the Kashi Akano. He um, had came in. Uh, he would been training in Florida with the Malinkos, with um, the Malinko family in in Tampa. So he that's where he got his training. And then they, you know, being Japanese and everything, they brought him in, um, you know, as a mass gimmick. Uh, you know, this was his the, the fire death match show in August. That was his first. Show. Uh, you know, he worked wing, um, and then eventually IWA, Big Chan, and uh, Freedoms up until uh, this year. He actually he has stopped wrestling as of 2017. Yeah. Um, also, uh, they're bringing in Mill Mascaris and L Connect. What companies are Wing working with to bring in talent from there? Well, this was this was Universal. It came in through Universal. Okay. Um, that Mascaris and all them, they were working there at the time. And, you know, it was kind of like FMW, especially at the beginning because of Canones, you know, they had a lot of Florida talent. Um, you know, they kind of bringing in everyone from everywhere, um, you know, just through Canones' contacts. Cool. And uh, one new name, if you know who it is, it's uh, Rochester Roadblock. 
Yeah, that was the Mask Inferno I talked okay. about earlier. He was, you know, completely, you know, masked and everything. And then um, they got rid of the mask gimmick. He lost a mask match um, at the Fire Death Match show against Kanemura in a tag match. And it was a mask versus hair match. And afterwards, um, you know, instead of unmasking, he takes he starts cutting Kanemura's hair, even though he lost. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they made him take off the mask as a result. And But, yeah, so he ended up going by Rochester Roadblock after, um, you know, afterwards. Cool. Um, also, during this time, uh, Dave noted that it, um, on TBS, Japan did a two-hour special on Onita. Have you ever seen seen this special? Yeah, I saw a documentary on TBS. I don't uh, I don't necessarily know it was two hours, but um, it was a documentary on Onita. Pretty much just his life. Um, you know, they showed family pictures of him growing up as a kid and everything. And then they did kind of a reenactment with, you know, an actor kind of playing Onita after um, retiring in all Japan. You know, he, he working construction and everything. And, you know, Onita's there, you know, watching it with the, um, the host and everything. And then just kind of doing an interview based off his life and whatnot. And just showing clips of FMW uh, matches that he had had at that point, like the Fire Death match and the Goto match, uh, the the Kawasaki, you know, and the exploding barbed wire. You know, just kind of, they're just kind of talking about that stuff. So it was just kind of a, um, a documentary on Onita pretty much. So what is keeping FMW from getting a weekly wrestling show? There's just no one really that interested. You know, I mean, even today, um, you know, especially like on national TV, you know, and, and obviously there wasn't as many cable channels back then, um, you know, Japan, you know, in early 90s, Japan, you know, didn't really embrace the cable aspect at this time. So there's not as many channels. And, you know, New Japan, which, you know, um, and All Japan, which, you know, were way bigger, they were only getting, you know, midnight deals, you know, being aired at 1 or 2 a.m., you know, late night and stuff. So, you know, no company was interested or no TV company was interested, you know, in an, um, you know, a third brand that wasn't as popular. Um, it took, you know, other cable channels being created um, later on in the 90s for FNW to kind of get a TV deal at all. Okay, cool. And uh, so that leads us to the August 11th show where Bull, Nakano, and, and Akira Hokuto, they kind of show up. And uh, what what do they do at this show? Yeah, they come out with a contract uh, pretty much, you know, stating they want um, Megumi Kudo and Kampai Toyota, who were not even really friends at the time, you know, but they had that all Japan women's uh, history with each other, or, you know, they all came in from the do same, they both came in from the same dojo class, um, and they stated, you know, we want a match with you, which at the time had never been done there in Japan. There was never, you know, uh, interpromotional uh, interpromotional match between two Japanese companies at the time, so this was going to be the first. On August 30th, 31st, and September 1st, Megumi Kudo defended her WWA title against Miwa Sato, Eriko Sashia, and Combat Toyota. Why did they do the three back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back title matches? Pretty much to put herself uh, as the top girl, you know, the fighting champion, um, you know, shows she's the top of the class to get her over. Um, and, you know, and also the uh, the last match with Toyota, you know, they embraced, they, um, you know, because they had been feuding pretty much the entire time in FMW. Um, so this kind of forms them as a tag team in, in order, you know, and have a good relationship in order to face off against uh, Nakano and Hokuto for the Yokohama Stadium show. Also during this tour, Onita reportedly breaks his leg. Um, is this real or is this an angle? He was in a, he, he wore a cast. He was in, um, so I, I know Dave uh, Meltzer reported that was a work. So um, that's, I'll go off that, but 
he was in a cast. He was in a wheelchair. Um, you know, I mean, again, photo- you know, photographers were taking pictures of him in a wheelchair and everything. But he worked a couple shows with a full-on leg cast. So I would imagine what it was was he suffered an injury and he played it up more than what it was. But I think he really was dealing with a leg injury. Um, you know, I mean, especially to wear a cast. You know, in how on house show matches with a leg. You know, pretty much hobbling around. Um, you know, for his matches and everything. Um, but yeah, and then uh, to set up the feud with. Uh, you know, to get more heat on the feud with Tiger Jeet Singh, uh, Tiger Jeet Singh starts smashing a table against his uh, uh, his uh, cast um, during the match to kind of you know show you know how bad off Onita is. But during the match uh, uh, against Tiger Singh, uh, Tiger Jeet Singh at Yokohama Stadium, he's uh, just kind of bandaged up. He's not wearing a cast or anything. Uh, also, at this time, the September first uh, show FMW outdrew all Japan in the the same city by almost most double. Uh, which you know, if you heard the last couple shows, that was always kind of a goal of uh, Onita. Um, and also around this time, Dave reported that um, they want to bring in Abdullah the Butcher to replace Singh because Singh is having, having problems with the the office. Um, do you know what type of problems? These are. I would imagine it was money and just not wanting, or at least you're gonna. If I'm gonna put Onita over because you know Tiger Jeet Singh uh, rarely lost, and you know so he probably and he's very you know financially uh, successful, and so he probably wanted a lot of money for this show, and so if they couldn't come up with a deal of how much he was gonna get paid, they probably wanted a plan B. Um, you know, because, you know, they brought in Jink, uh, Tiger Jeet Singh as a former past superstar, you know, from the 70s. So if it didn't work, they could possibly get in Abdul the Butcher, which had kind of a similar resume. Cool. Um, so on the September 19th Yokohama show, this is one of the biggest shows that they've run at this point. Uh, a couple more matches that didn't happen. Terry, uh, they were negotiating with. Terry Funk to come in uh, to have a match with the the Sheik, but the Sheik is in bad uh, bad health, and even when they tried to get a different uh, 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 person to fight him, Funk turned it down, even though it was going to be a very big offer. Do you know why why Funk wasn't willing to do this show? Well, I think what it was was so they were offering this amount of money for him to face a Sheik, and once the Sheik was unable to uh, wrestle, because I think they wanted to get Funk kind of established. Um, hey, he's with FMW and everything, and he's going to fight Onita in the future. And so I think that was where kind of the negotiation started. But once the Sheik pull, couldn't wrestle, they probably offered a different opponent, but wouldn't offer the same amount of money for him to face the Sheik because it would probably be farther down the card. So once um, the once the Sheik match wouldn't happen, he didn't, you know, I'm guessing Terry Funk didn't want to wrestle for the amount of money because he still had to um, ask Giant Baba for permission to uh, leave all Japan at this point. So it probably wasn't even worth the bother of I'm not going to, you know, fly to Japan for an undercard match against, you know, a no name, um, you know, which he probably would have for the Sheik. But eventually, obviously, you know, the next year he gets the Onita match and, you know, he he gets the permission from Baba and he gets the deal he wants in order to come to Japan. Uh, also on the show was going to be Jericho and Storm. Um, but uh Jericho winds up teaming with Kevin Fowley. Is that how it's said? I think it's Fall, but not, you might be right. All right, Fall, yeah, uh, F-A-U-L-E. Um, why couldn't Storm make it, and who who was this guy? Uh, so le- the previous year, Jericho and Storm had teamed up 
uh, in FMW, and they were not given the money that they were promised, um, that Onita promised them. So, and they, but when they got the less money, they go, hey, you, you know, you stepped us on the money, and Onita goes, well, we're going to bring you back a lot, okay? So don't worry, you'll get paid back, you know, that money back when you keep coming on tours with us. Well, they don't hear from Onita for the next year. And then when they get the call one year later, hey, want to come in for the Yokohama Stadium show? Jericho just wants to go to Japan, so he's like, sure. And then Lance Storm goes, I don't want to go. Like, wait, they stiffed us on pay. They promised us more bookings, you know, in the future. And it took a year for, you know, us to be contacted. So he refuses to go. So they want, you know, FMW wants sudden impact. And so Jericho pretty much just contacts another uh, Canadian wrestler that had been wrestling in um, the, uh, you know, Western Canada Indies. And it was Kevin Fall. And so he brought him in kind of. Cause he kind of looked like Lance storm a little bit to kind of, and you know, even to this day, there's match list li- listings uh, as this match with Chris Jericho and Lance storm, because people kind of actually don't even notice the difference between the two people. But so that was kind of the idea. So just to kind of get somebody to look like Lance storm to kind of pretend to play like to play him. Um, also on the, the show Spinks comes back in and he brings a partner named Brian Sayodil, who was his uh, partner. That was um, a boxer from Chicago. He had uh, wrestled the independents kind of in the Great Lake, the Great Lakes region, so Michigan, Chicago. So he had some um, wrestling experience, but he was mostly a legitimate boxer. Um, so they brought him in um, to team with Spinks to pretty much do the job um, in return, you know, so that Spinks would not do the job in the tag match. Next up, a lot of cards, they list a team called the Alligators, but you said it was someone else. Who was this? Okay, so pretty much the Alligators are listed um, incorrectly on a lot of uh, match listings for this show. Um, but what it was was um, is actually a kaiju team called the Belton Saijin. And they were dressed up in these j- weird green outfits. Um, and what it is is in the um, U- Ultraman uh, series, they're actually play. They're the rivals of Ultraman, or he, the Belton Saijin, is the rival of Ultraman. So in this tag match um, with Amigo Ultra and Ultraman Cito, um, you know, which is Damien and uh, a mini uh, Mexican wrestler, they, um, you know, to kind of fit in with the Ultraman gimmick and everything, they had Ultraman's rival, and so you see this gi- weird, gigantic green outfit wrestlers team, you know, team up against the Ultraman, and a lot, and they kind of look like alligators. So a lot of people have confused them over the years and thought they were the alligator gimmick, but um, that was actually a completely different team in FNW. Um, that year as well. Also on on the show, uh, Bull, Nakano, and Akira Hokuto. Now they defeated Megumi Kudo and Combat Toyota. Um, I'm I'm just guessing. What are you know? How are they booking this inter promotional feud? Um, pretty much it, the all Japan women are the bigger stars. So they're going to win, you know, and that, so that deal is, Hey, we'll come in for your show and, you know, possibly draw in more people, you know, fans for your product, uh, you know, make money for your, uh, you know, your stadium show, but in return, we're going to, you know, we're going to win this match and we're going to show, and Hey, look at, you know, how great these women wrestlers are FNW fans. Maybe you want to come see them as well. So it's pretty much, and and that's how a lot of, and I mean, especially going forward, a lot of the politics in Japan with, especially with interpromotional matches is who's going to win. So a lot of it it takes, um, comes down to what's the bigger promotion, 
who's the bigger stars and just who's more adamant that they're, uh, um, you know, that their wrestlers are going to win. Um, now, the final uh, attendance, I've seen it listed as 30,000 people in, in a 50,000 seat place. Do you know what the real number is? About 25 to 27. So it was close to what it was. I mean, it still wasn't by any means a sellout. Um, you know, they had done better at Kawasaki the previous year. So they actually never returned back to Yokohama Stadium after the show. And I think they're just they're happy with the Kawasaki Stadium. Um, but, yeah, so this show did about half gate. But, I mean, they still made a lot of money. And they still made about a million dollars off this show. So it still brought in a really good gate and everything. Um, it just wasn't what, you know, it just wasn't Kawasaki compared to Kawasaki the previous year. So, like I said, they um, never come back to the stadium after this show. Um, Also, and uh, just to note, Onida defeated Tiger Jeet Singh to win back the WWAA title in the main event. Um, Going into October, not going to be a lot of FMW stuff going on. Uh, They would do a a big tour where every, every night they had a barbed wire match on uh, in the main event for each show, and they were doing three and four thousand shows nonstop. Um, the only new the the only new name is Cowboy Billy Johnson. Yeah, that was Joey Legend. Um, he was a Canadian wrestler, and he had wrestled in WWF for a brief minute around '99 or so as just show. So it was just another one of the uh, Canadian, um, you know, Western Canadian connection that Fred Jung had um, helped bring in. Cool. Um, now, uh, this leads into FN, uh, FMW promoting the year-end tag team series, and Onita chose as his partner Nakamaki, but Nakamaki left for Wing. Um, what is the big story behind him jumping ship? All right, so uh, Wing pretty much made a better offer to Nakamaki. Hey, you want to come over to us? And, you know, because Nakamaki started off as just a rookie because, you know, he had no experience. And so with FMW, so he's working opening matches and everything like that. And Wing comes in and goes, hey, we'll give you a bigger push. We'll give you, you know, more, um, you know, more money. And so Nakamaki tells Onita, hey, I'm retiring. So they have a retirement match for Nakamaki at the Yokohama Stadium show where he just gets destroyed by Sabu. Um, and pretty much is he's done and everything. And so, um, you know, Nakamaki then, then, you know, moves over to wing, but FNW doesn't even necessarily know this at the time. And so they, um, you know, once they finally hear about it, they go, you know, what, what he's, he's leaving us, screw this guy. And we're going to make him look bad. So, um, you know, they were pretty unhappy over Nakamaki leaving for wing. And then on wing, what type of angles are they doing to bring him in? He's kind of coming in as an outsider without real like wrestling experience. Like he's coming in and challenging, you know, the mid card and upper mid card guys, like a top guy with only, you know, a couple months experience. So they're kind of seeing him as an outsider. Hey, you're not really from, you know, you're not really from us. You know, you didn't, you know, go up through the system and everything like that. Here you come just barging on in and you're trying, you know, you're challenging top guys. So he kind of, you know, became a heel just as established of, I, you know, he's not even, you know, he hasn't even earned his spot yet. Cool. And, uh, this actually led to, um, on, on October 31st, Onita and, uh, Onita defeated Sambo Asako in a barbed wire death match with no audience at the FMW dojo. And like, what was the story behind that? So, like I said, Onita was like, I'm going to make Nakamaki look bad. So, Onita goes, okay, you know what, Nakamaki, 
I'll I'm going to let you come, try and come back to FMW and everything like that, but you have to fight me, and you if you fight me and prove that you're worthy, you can be my tag partner. So I'm going to have a match with you. So they're not going to, you know, they know Nakamaki's not going to show up, so they can't, like, schedule this, uh, you know, uh, um, schedule this for a, a real show where, you know, people are paying and whatnot, so they, um, you know, because they know they'd be screwing them over, not really having the match. So they have this, you know, set up where there's photographers and everything like that with Onito, you know, at the dojo and they have a no rope barbed wire match and Onito's waiting for him to wait, you know, and Nakamaki never shows up. And so, in you know, to make it look like, oh, they thought Nakamaki was going to show up, but, you know, we were going to have a match. So they just volunteer and have Sambo Asako wrestle um, the match. But yeah, so it's pretty much to look, make Nakamaki look like a coward. Onita's going, hey, Nakamaki, you know, was too scared to fight me, and now he's ran off to wing. Um, you know, so it's just, like I said, they were pretty pissed off that Nakamaki left the way he did, and they wanted to bury him as much as they possibly could on the way out. All right, cool. Um, also, and uh, final note uh, on this, the F the FMW women, they were doing a tour with all Japan women, and eventually Toshia, to to uh, she suffered an injury to her leg, and they were pulled off of the tour, but Dave says that this was a uh, work. What is the story behind that? Yeah, they... Again, it's the uh, the politics of uh, the FNW, you know, they're bringing in their, they're letting their girls now tour with the All Japan women, but the Shia and Maya Demori are not good workers at all. And All Japan see, All Japan women see this and they go, we can't be having these two girls beat our girls. Like, they're not anywhere in the level of these girls. And so we, you know, we're not going to have our, these, these uh, workers, you know, Tashi and Maida Mori, you know, beat our women when obviously they're inferior. So we're going to, you know, keep beating, we're going to have them lose on every match on every, you know, on this tour. And Onita sees that and goes, I don't want my girls losing every match. So we're going to have to pull them out. So it was, again, it was just kind of this politics of, I don't want my girls, you know, I don't want my wrestlers to lose to another promotion over and over and over. So, you know, he pretty much cut them out and, and got them out of the tool or all right cool um and finally uh in this month uh dave notes that wing is going to be is going to be doing a show on no november 10th uh and they're going to be working with two two companies that i haven't heard of one is called is called oriental pro and one is called now n-o-w um where did these companies come from so at this time, there's a lot of promotions are starting up. Um, there's so the now is the network of wrestling that was started by Kendo Nakasaki, who had wrestled earlier uh, in FMW. So he started his own promotion. They had a relationship with Global. So like Harlem Heat, Stevie Ray, and Booker T had wrestled for now. Um, JBL also was working for now. So um, and it was I mean it wasn't by any means a successful promotion at all. It was just a low end indie um, in order to get kind. And, you know, for Kendo Nagasaki to, um, you know, have to have to pretty much be booked, book himself. Um, but as now it eventually ended up failing and uh, closing down, it actually started up Big Japan. So the uh, Big Japan has roots with the now promotion because Kendo Nagasaki and Great Kajika, uh, um, you know, they pretty much formed Big Japan together after now ended. Um, Oriental was a promotion by Ryuma Go, who we had talked about um, in previous episodes. He had, uh, had been, you know, working the uh, Pioneer Sensei promotion until it closed down. And when it closed down, he started up Oriental. And he, it was, again, it was kind of a... Um, 
kind of a hardcore promotion, but not really. Um, he had relationship with uh, the Portland promotion. He had went. He had um, traveled over to Portland, so they, he was working with with the CWUSA, which was um, the promotion that started up after Portland. You know, the famous Portland that promotion that went 40, 50 years after it closed down. The CWUSA promotion started up, so he had you know like Portland wrestlers, Sandy Barr, and everything work shows. Uh, the the um, the Harris brothers. Um, you know, work shows like that. And it didn't last very long either, but it was kind of a blood promotion as well that didn't do very well. Um, just to finish out, Wing, uh, the only uh, new talent that are going to come in before the end of the year is going to be Crash, the ter- Terminator. Um, I know who he was. I think most people do. But if you want to just kind of let us know uh, about him. Yeah, that was Bill DeMott. Most people, you know, know him from his WWF run. He was Hugh Morris in WCW. Um, at the time, he had he'd been working in Florida, so and Puerto Rico. So again, it was just probably everyone known as uh, contact and brought him in as a baby, fa- a, a painted face, baby face um, that worked. And you know, he helped out the younger guys. He helped train uh, Kenamura and everything. Um, so it was, you know, he worked a couple tours, and then uh, like I said, he eventually would end up going to WCW and WWF. And he was also the first person on television to lose to Goldberg. So he was number one. Yeah. Um, that's what I know him for. Um, so uh, before the, the year's over, Wing, uh, on, de- on December 20th, they had a spike nail match uh, between um, – who was it between Poco and who? I think it was, Matt, no, it was Matt Zanaga and Leatherface. That's Matt's right. That's right. That's right. Um, now this is styled. Um, I just want to ask because I, if any, if anyone might know, it's probably you. Uh, it was modeled after a, a similar, a similar spike nail match that that Anoki had in the uh, the nineteen seventies. Um, I don't have much info about this match. Do you know about this early kind of death match? No, I, I don't. I haven't heard about this. I tried looking up information about it. I could not find anything. So if there's any New Japan historians, you know, let us know. Yeah, yeah. There's there's this one photo I keep finding, it, and that's it. But they have the beds of nails. And I'm always curious about, you know, the history of that match. But anyway, um, so to finish out the year, uh, the November Tag Team Tournament brings in a couple new teams and, uh, and uh, new talent. Uh, to start off, who who are the, the Psychos? Psychos were Billy Anderson and Tim Patterson. That was um, a group, you know, they had been working uh, previous FMW shows um, under different identities and different gimmicks, um, you know, the mercenaries. So they were just another, you know, foreigners that were brought in, you know, just and put in under different masks to be a tag team for the tournament. Right. And then uh, Sabu, he, he started teaming with Kareem Sudan. Yeah, that was Don White. He um, was a St. Louis worker. Um, he had worked in Calgary and Portland in the mid '80s, and um, by the mid by the early '90s, he was doing an Abdul the Butcher gimmick. Um, so pretty much, they it, well, it, well, he was doing Abdul the Butcher gimmick in St. Louis. So pretty much, they heard about that, and I guess they wanted Abdul the Butcher, but they couldn't come up with the you know because Abdul the Butcher is probably one of the very few workers that never you know deathmatch workers that never worked FMW. Um, so they probably wanted him, couldn't get him, so they wanted to just kind of get a knockoff that was cheaper. Um, so they brought in um, Kareem Sudan to pretty much do the jobs for the Sabu tag team. And then uh, there's Tiger Jeet Singh Jr. and also Haystacks Calhoun Jr. Are, are these the real kids? 
Uh, Tiger Jeet Singh Jr. was uh, um, Tiger Jeet Singh's son. He would uh, um, become Tiger Ali Singh in WWF in the late 90s. Um, so that's where he kind of, you know, got, that was his first J- Japanese tour and everything. Uh, Haystacks Calhoun Jr., I do not believe that was really his son. Um, that was uh, Man Mountain Brody. Uh, he was a Florida worker um, before, and, you know, he he worked for uh, Horace Boulder's Tampa promotion as well um, after FMW, so he was just a big, a big guy that they brought in that kind of looked like Haystacks Calhoun that you know they marketed towards being his son. All right, cool. Um, so uh, the finals of of the the the, the series was going to be Onita and and his partner Verachev, uh, and they defeated uh, Tarzan Goto and Big Titan in in the finals. But this um, the post match is pretty famous in this. What did Onita do after the the show? So after the show, he uh, was in Osaka, and he goes outside the building to this very famous area in Osaka. Um, And there's a bridge, and to celebrate his victory, he jumps uh, from the he jumps off the bridge into the river. And once he gets out, he's got you know he's got all these cuts and everything from the death match, blood. You know, he jumps in this river, and it turns out the river was polluted. And so all these germs and everything get in his body pretty much, and he has to be hospitalized, and he nearly dies because of just how bad off that river was and how many cuts and everything he already had. So it was a really dumb decision. Um, it was really famous. You know, he, um, this, he even during his retirement show, he got a uh, framed picture of him jumping off the bridge um, a couple weeks ago. That's how famous it was. But, yeah, so he jumped off it, and it was a big mistake, and um, he spent some time in the hospital and nearly died as a result. Yeah, that's the main story that uh, most people know about him, for sure. So um, that's going to wrap up 1992. The The first half was very heavy, but, but then we're hitting a point where it's a lot of, you know, they're, they found the system that's going to keep on bringing people in. Um, so uh, before we go, uh, Brett, is there any news about current FMW Onita stuff? Um, the, uh, Onita uh, is going to uh, start up his um, own promotion um, in about a week or so, um, but it's not really too much of a promotion. It's going to be just his guys, his undercard guys, you know, Hosaka, uh, Raijin Yaguchi, you know, and it's so it's only going to be a two match show and then it'll be a battle royal and this is going to be at Shinkiba. It's going to be a battle royal at the main event. That's the match he's going to main uh he's going to referee. Um but the big selling point pretty much is that he'll be uh doing like a Q&A with the fans and then also watching his retirement show on the big screen uh with the fans uh, or well his retirement match. So that's the big sell. So it's n- nothing too much as far as um you know a card or anything like that. He's not bringing any outside talent. Um only other couple things was um, Masahiro Sase, who was um, a wrestler, mid-card wrestler. He's going to be um, having his own retirement show. Um, he was he was a big influence money-wise on a lot of the Onita shows. He um, the match uh, a couple months ago with Matt Tremont and all the CZW guys that came in that exploding barbed wire match. He actually was the one that promoted that show and funded it and everything um he's gonna ha- you know he's pretty bad off with his neck so he's gonna be retiring um and so he's gonna be having a tag match uh, on december 19th um w- with uh, masato tanaka against jun kasai and nosawa rungai and it's gonna be an exploding barbar match onita is already like hey you're one of my you know 
pupils. I'm letting you, I'm giving you permission to have an exploding barbed wire match without me, or exploding barbed wire bat match. So it's going to be the, you know, bat outside Shinkiva um, that they'll do. Uh, the only other thing was uh, Mr. Ganesuke kind of uh, made some controversial comments the other day um, about the FMW show we talked about last time where uh, Kazushi Miyamoto is just beating um, Gosako in the face. And Ganesuke was very upset about this and said, this is not my FMW that you know I, you know, I came up with and everything. This is not what FMW stands for. And uh, the promoter, um, the former promoter of, um, did I talk about this already? I'm sorry, if I'm, am I repeating myself or no? Um, a little bit, but you can keep on, on, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep going. Okay, I didn't want to repeat that. I was like, wait, I feel like I've said this part before. I'm sorry, if I have. Well, kind of, yeah, but it's, you know, it's still, you can say it again if you want. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. All so right. anyways, so yeah, Ganesuke was pretty upset about this, uh, the FMW, um, Rest, uh, you know, kind of having a shoot style, like legit, just punching a guy in the face, and he was really upset about it. And so, um, the promoter, the former promoter of FMW, um, that got them to work Corrigan Hall shows last year, kind of came back at Ganesuke, being like, "Hey, you, um, you know, you don't love FMW. Quit talking bad about them." Uh, and Ganesuke pretty much just told him to shut up. You know, you don't know what you're talking about, and everything like that. So, um, there's a little drama going on uh, there. But there's no, um, they're going to be working again December 22nd. But there's no card announced yet. All right, cool. Well, December 22nd. Hmm. I'm going to miss it. Still, I've never yeah. seen an FMW branded show but we'll see um well all right uh brett if you want to let people know where can they find you online uh fnwwrestling.us um uh, for my website about who's fnw world i'm also on twitter on bahu fmw and on youtube at brett fmw awesome well we will be back next week with uh 1993 and i believe there's another new company that's going to join it join the the fray um, right? When does IWA start up? That's 94. Oh, okay. Well, we have a whole nother year before that happens. So, well, all right. I'll see you guys later.